on my end uh, to arrange childcare, and every year my folks decide to give up a week of their vacation to come babysit, which I think is great. I don't have to pay them, and they watch my kids. The kids get grandparent time, they get grandkid time. It's the best of both worlds. It gets better, though, because my dad, for whatever reason, has it in him that I need help around my house. So inevitably, he goes around and he finds things to do around my house. And this is great. I'm like, yes, Dad, I get to go to Canada. You fix my house. This is great. I love it. Well, he started fixing projects that I didn't even know that I needed done. I'm grateful. For example, this one wasn't a fix, but he just decided to wash and vacuum out my car. I'm like, thanks, Dad. That was nice. And my mom's buying stuff for the house, and it was just great. So this past week, it's been a week of discovery for me because I walk around. They didn't tell me what they did. Uh, They just did it. And so I'm like, oh, that door works a little bit better. Oh, look it. My car's clean. You know, it's just been a great uh, week of discovery for me. Till one day. One day, I decide I was getting a little hungry. And as I was uh, figuring out what to eat, I go to my pantry and I open up the door to see inside, to my horror, this bag of chips. And you say, what's wrong with chips? Don't you like chips? I like chips. I like the full salted version. These ones are lightly salted. What is the point of this? I don't know about you, but chips do not fit on my radar as healthy foods. I don't care if you bake them. I don't care if you lightly salt them. I don't care anything. What's the point of this? In fact, I don't want these. Does anybody want a bag of lightly salted chips? Here we go. Who wants them? I'll give them to Casey. I don't want those things. I don't like lightly salted chips. Please don't eat those right now because it'll probably make a mess, get me in trouble. We don't want that. Pastor McNeil doesn't need to come back to the mess. All right. Anyway, as I think about salt, I like salt. I like it on everything. I like it uh, on my uh, steaks, on my vegetables. In fact, I am glad that grocery stores have an entire aisle dedicated to salty snacks. I'm kind of an equal opportunist, right? I don't care if it's beef jerky or if it's potato chips or if it's uh, pretzels. I like pretzels, not just the, like the hard ones that you buy in that aisle, but the ones that are in the frozen section, the soft pretzels. Ooh, I like salt, salted soft pretzels with cheese. Now we're talking. I just like salt. Some of you are saying, you've got to watch this salt thing. I know. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up to me. But right now, I'm enjoying all the salt I can get. But as I was thinking about salt, salt has a lot of functions, doesn't it? It makes things better, right? It, it helps us. It doesn't just help our food taste better, but it also helps with life. We put salt on the roads in the wintertime. Why? To get the ice off so we can have safe travel, travels. It helps us in life in multiple ways. I was reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And I began to think about this job of salt, the functions of salt. And this morning, I would like us to look at two, two functions of salt. Number one, salt prevents decay. Salt prevents decay. And as followers of Christ, we are called to be moral disinfectants, right? We are called to be moral disinfectants. 
As moral disinfectants, I'm getting your outline mixed up a little bit, so follow along with letter A. Uh, we are called to prevent or slow down the evil decay that is all around us. We are called to prevent or slow down the evil decay that is all around us, or as I said before, we are called to be a moral disinfectant. How does this work? How does it actually work in life? If we're called to be uh, salt, one to slow down decay, how does it work? Well, moral disinfectants means we're not going to jump into conversations that are inappropriate. We can't jump in and badmouth the boss because everybody else is doing it. Why? Because that actually speeds up the decay, right? It doesn't really help it. We're not going to talk crudely or inappropriately because that's not doing what this verse is asking us to do. We're not, we're not going to do that. We're also not going to tolerate things like gossip. Why? Because gossip doesn't help anything. Think about it. Typically what happens is not that we set in our hearts to go out and talk about somebody or uh, a situation. We, we come back and we get around our friends, we're talking a little bit, and we're, all of a sudden some choice was talked about, right? Some situation posed in here, and then we're talking about someone over here. We're starting to talk, oh, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he did that. Could you imagine? I would never say something like that. They, what were they thinking? And we're just bad-mouthing, 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 bad-mouthing. I think gossip has a really big effect on people. It doesn't prevent the decay. It doesn't slow it down. In fact, I think it speeds it up a little bit. As followers of Christ, we are called to be this moral disinfectant. We're called to say, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk that way. We're not going to bring that conversation up. We know how this is going to go down, so we're just going to avoid that one altogether or shut down the conversation. We walk up to this group of people, hey, what you talking about? They tell us, oh, yeah, let's talk about the rain. <laughs> That's a great topic today. Let's talk about the rain. Let's change the subject. Oh, yeah, I went out on the lake and enjoyed the... We can change the uh, conversation very, very quickly, right? Sometimes it works. Sometimes, no matter how hard we try, it doesn't work. So what do we do? We say, no, nah, I'm not going to be a part of that. See ya. We just walk away. Why? Because as moral disinfectants, we can't tolerate that kind of uh, talking. It could be a little bit bigger than that. It could be fighting social injustice. There's a lot of injustice that takes place in our world, isn't there? You turn on the news for just five minutes, and you start to see of all the stuff that's going around our globe. Say, wow, is there a lot of evil in the world? As a follower of Christ, I've been called to be a moral disinfectant. I'm stopping the decay that's around us. So how do I do it? I don't know. Maybe start a ministry. I'm thankful for Becky McDonald. Some of you know who she is and what she is about. One of the things that she was known for, uh, she's a missionary. We support her. And as her, her missionary travels have taken her around the globe, she started noticing human trafficking was hitting an epidemic level. She says, I can't sit back any longer and just let this happen. I can't tolerate this anymore. So what did she do? She started a ministry called Women at Risk, and it was designed to rescue people who got pulled into the trafficking of human people. And as she notices that she's providing opportunities to pull them out and to provide jobs and, and to provide them housing, and she's just taking care of needs, and she said, why is this? Because as a follower of Christ, it is our job to come back and say, no, 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 no. I've got to do my part to stop the evil decay that's happening in our world. We are the salt of the earth. And our first function is to stop or slow down the decay that's all around us. Not only that, 
we are called to love one another, right? We are called to love one another. And this is the easiest way for us to figure out how to do this. Jesus says it like this. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As we love one another in this room, it starts to create waves in our community. And say, what's so different about those people over at Shelby Road? What's so unique about them? Why do they seem never to get angry with each other? That's so weird. I kind of want to be a part of that. And as they brush shoulders with us, they say, wow, they treat everybody like that. They, they love their friends, which is normal, but they also love the difficult people, the prickly people, you know, the people that nobody else wants to really talk to. They love them too. See, as salt of the earth, we can slow it down just by simply loving other people. This is a job of salt. Our second one, salt seasons whatever it touches. Salt seasons whatever it touches. We should be looking for opportunities to brighten people's day, all right? We should be looking for this. As they brush shoulders with us, our salty uh, flavor should be brushing off on them, right? So the other day, I've been thinking about this sermon for quite a while. I've been thinking about this particular point for quite a while. The other day, my wife and I, we decided to go down to Muskegon. We're doing some shopping. And as we're out, we were uh, getting a little hungry. So we're like, what do you want to go? You know, that conversation. I don't know. You pick. I don't want to go there. You know the whole conversation. We finally decide, let's just go to a buffet place. Everybody can get what they want there. This is kind of a, a gutsy move to me because you don't know which kid's started in what dish, right? But we did it anyway. We're living on the edge. I walk into this buffet place. And the cashier working the register at this one looks at me as like, what are you thinking coming to this restaurant? I'm like, wow, you look inviting. I'm, I'm excited about this. She, the look on her face was actually, I hate my life. I hate my job. I hate the food we serve here. And I hate everything about uh, today. Can I help you? <laughs> I'm like, thinking through this particular point, I'm like, brighten this girl's day. Now here's a challenge. So I'm thinking, what can I do to make this girl smile? How can I brighten her day just a touch? And I got nothing. Nothing's coming to me. I'm like, God, I'm trying to do this. Come on, give it something. Give me something. So she fills up my Coke. She tells me my bill. I pull out my debit card, and she starts swiping it. And my debit card's not working. She So I'm thinking, here's my opportunity. I lean up to her, and I said, do you know what tastes better than a Coke? And she looks at me like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Not debating. I said, a free Coke. You know why? Because I have no other ways to pay for the Coke that you already poured. I have no cash on me. I have no other cards on me. All I have is that one card. And if it doesn't work, guess what? I'm not paying for the Coke. And what you're going to do is dump it down the drain so at least you could give me a free Coke because it's better than wasting it, right? <laughs> and she looks at me. I'm like, this is going to be good. So she looks at me, she doesn't do anything, she's starting to swipe faster. <laughs> come on, come on, work, work, work. And I said, do you know what's better than a free Coke? At this point, I see the slow motion eye roll of my wife out of the corner of my eye. She jumps into this conversation, up till now she's been very quiet. Up till, she jumps in and she says, whatever he's about to say, ignore him. Not making that part up at all. She says, ignore him. So what do I do? I take her advice. I said, I'm ignoring that. And I'm punching right through this thing. I said, you know what tastes better than a free Coke? A free meal. You could brighten my day right now by giving me a free meal. How about you give me your employee discount? 
she looks at me. We don't get employee discounts. <laughs> so I said, okay, I have an idea. I'm the customer, right? Yes. I said, customer's always right, right? Yes. I said, I've got an idea. How about I give you an employee discount? And this is what it is. You get two free plates every day you work. And saying you're working, you get two today. But because you're working, you can't really eat. How about you give me the two plates that I just gave you so I can get a free meal for me and my wife? And my wife is like, please work. She's praying to God, please let that machine work. Take his card, get him, shut up. All right, finally, it finally goes through. I pay for the meal. We get to go in. And I remember walking back to my seat, and I look over my shoulder, and this girl, for a moment of her day, had a big old smile on her face. She's like, that guy was off his rocker. (laughs) But for a brief moment in the day, I was allowed the privilege of brightening her day. She might have been laughing at me, but I didn't matter. It was better than having her look like she hated the world. So just for a moment, when she brushed shoulders with a follower of Christ, guess what? Her day got it just a touch brighter. Just for that moment in time, she got a little bit happier. So what is my job as salt? It is to brighten people's day. It is to help people have a better time after they brush shoulders with me. That is my job. Not only that, but maybe it's to help people who are in emotional or spiritual needs, right? Maybe it's to help people that are having emotional or spiritual needs. And you know what happens with this kind of conversation? We typically hear a little bit of something about something going on in someone's life. So as we see these people... We don't know what to do with them. We don't know what to do with people who are having emotional or spiritual needs. We don't know uh, if we have the words to address their issue. And so we may run into them uh, down at Meyer or something. We see them at a distance, and we see them, but we're hoping they didn't see us. Why? Because we don't know what to do. We don't know how to say it. So we quick duck down the other aisle. Please, 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 please let them not see me because I don't really want to have a conversation right now. So we're hiding and all of a sudden, oh, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? And in the back of our mind, we're thinking, I don't really want to ask because I don't know what answer they're going to give me. So we muster it up, right? How, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Oh, praise. I was hoping you'd just say fine and we can move on. I have shopping to do. That's why I'm here. I don't want to talk. But then we have this little nudge inside of us that says we should ask the second question. The first question is usually we give the the platitude of saying I'm fine, I'm doing okay, whatever. It's the second question that usually gets down a little bit deeper. And we know a little bit about this person's situation. We don't really know the extent of it, but we know a little bit about it. We know they're going through a tough time right then. We feel this nudge, and so we finally say, no, really, how are you? How are you doing? And then the floodgates go, and the tears fall, because the second question gets more to the heart of the matter. And in the moment, the conversation goes, and your suspicions were right, you have nothing to say. You don't understand how you could possibly help their situation. They're telling you, and it's like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I haven't, I'm not a counselor. I haven't had any type of Bible training. I don't know what to do with this. this. This doesn't make sense to me. How am I supposed to help them? I'm not sure. But in that moment, we have an opportunity 
to be salt, to come alongside and to season them with the goodness of God. So in that situation, what do we do? We walk up, put our hands on their shoulders. I have to tell you the truth. I have no words of wisdom for you right now. I have nothing to offer you. But this is what I do have to offer you. I will walk with you until we get to the other side with this. I will pray every day for you, for the situation, that God would help you understand what's going on. How about we pray right now? Do you know what happens in those types of situations? You pray, and you talk to that person, and that person turns to you, and you haven't said anything about their issue, you haven't solved any of the problems, you haven't done really anything to alleviate the, the problems that they're facing, but all of a sudden they turn, and they look to you, and they say, thank you. Why? Because in those moments, all they need is a little seasoning from God, just a reminder, hey, you're not in this alone. I'm here, and God's here. We can get through this thing together. See, we have people who are constantly in emotional and spiritual needs in this world. And as a, a fun, as a job of salt, our job is to enter into that mess and to walk with them, to season it with the goodness of God. Not only that, but we could also help people with physical needs. Physical needs are real needs, right? And these could take a variety of form. It could be someone's body's not quite working right. And we could solve that need, right? If their legs aren't working or their arms aren't working or maybe they broke a bone or something and you know about it and we go into it and say, hey, I I understand your body's not quite working yet. Can I help you get ready in the morning? Wow, well, there's something different. I I know that your arms aren't working so you probably have a hard time brushing your teeth. I can do that. I I can brush your teeth for you in the morning. Wait, come again? You want to come over and see me before breakfast so that I can, you can help me get ready for the day? Yeah, why not? We can meet physical needs like that. We can meet financial needs. We could do a lot of physical financial needs. If we hear of someone whose car broke down, they only have one car, how do they get to work when you only have one vehicle and their car's in the shop? So, well, I got two or three in, in my garage. What if we just inconvenience ourselves just for a day or two? Give them the keys to our car and say, hey, I heard your car was broken down. We can make it work with one. We've done it before. We can do it again. Here's my keys. By the way, let me know if that gas tank gets a little low and I can fill it up for you. I want to make sure you can get back on your feet okay. Because those bills are going to still come. If they don't get to work, they don't get to pay their bills. We can meet physical needs like that as we hear them. Jobs of salt. We should encourage others with kind words and actions. We should encourage others with kind words and actions. You know, in the age of technology that we live, it's, uh, it's amazing how quickly we can get a hold of people, right? We, can, we have cell phones glued to us. It's like this is actually almost more important than anything else we carry on a day. Have you ever forgotten your cell phone at the house? It's like, oh, no, I left my phone on the counter. What is going to happen? What happens if my car breaks down? Or what happens if this happens? Or what happens? My phone's on the counter! We need to be connected. Okay, let's use it, okay? I like tech, I like phones, I like being able to connect with things and being able to ask for directions no matter where I'm at. I like all the functions that are on here. But what if we leverage our cell phones to encourage people? What if we post encouraging things up on our social media sites? What if we just for a a week at a shot, we say, I'm going to say nothing negative at all on social media, not one. We just are going to put positive things on the internet. What if I take this and I start to text people and say, hey, just let you know I'm praying for you. 
Hey, I thought when you did this, that was a good job. You know, we're really good at encouraging kids, aren't we? You get the little kid at T-ball, all right? Now there's a hot time right there, T-ball, with a guy that can barely run around the base. He goes up and he swings it and he tips it off and it rolls like two feet in front of him. And what do all the parents do? Hey, good job, way to go, you hit that ball so hard, go run the first, no the other first. This way, this is first over here, come on, you're so fast. That a boy, that a girl. That's what happens in T-ball. If you've never known, I'm in it right now. All right. As they do this, we're really good when they're little. But all of us like to hear encouraging things. All people like to hear, good job, that a boy, that a girl. It doesn't matter if you're 5 or 55. We all like to hear positive remarks. What if we just take a moment and text somebody a positive thing throughout the day? Or you can do another way. You can snail mail it. That takes a snail mail. Mackenzie's like, what is that? I could read it all over her face. We could put a stamp on it and send it through the postal system. Little note, hey, really appreciated this. You did a good job there. And we slip it in the mail. It comes in a couple days. It takes a little longer, but it's still encouraging to get that. What if we do something like that? Recently, I was uh, thinking through this a little bit, and I heard a story. There's a young lady working uh, her job and noticed that her boss was pregnant. It's always better that the young lady notices her boss is pregnant, not the young guy. We never come out ahead on that one. I'm just saying. As this young lady goes throughout her day, uh, the conversation starts to roll a little bit. She starts naturally asking about the pregnancy and how she's feeling, if she's got the morning sickness or uh, all that kind of stuff. They get further into the pregnancy, and she says, so when's your baby due? So she tells her, have this conversation. She goes, so is your husband taking some time off too to help you after you have the baby? No, he can't. He's a really good husband. He's going to be a great father. But right now, he just, he can't get the time off work. It's a busy time of the year. It's not happening. Oh, is your mom, is your mom coming over? No, she's, she lives too far away. She can't come over this time. Oh, you have any friends? No, I don't really have a whole lot of friends, the boss says which got this young lady to think through what would happen if she was having a baby. She thought for a moment, she said, I go to church, if I was having a baby, my church would probably throw me a baby shower and provide some meals for the week after, two, three, four meals after the fact, so I won't have to worry about cooking. So this young lady was thinking about this, and she had her small group, and she got together with her small group, and she said, hey, listen, everybody, I have a, a kind of a unique favor to ask of you. I said, what's that? And she goes, my boss is going to be having a baby. And I was wondering if maybe we could give her some meals to help with the recovery side of it. Would you all be willing to take one day of meals? And the small group says, sure, we'll do that in a heartbeat. So each one of these uh, ladies makes a meal and takes it over to this boss's house and says, hey, here's your meal. And they give the instructions of how to finish cooking it up or enjoying the supper that they provided for her. As these kept on rolling in, it started sticking out to the boss. She had another conversation with her employee. She says, I don't quite understand this one. I don't know any of these ladies that came to the house. Why would a bunch of strangers provide suppers for me? They don't know who I am. They have no connection with me. To which the, the young lady says, this is really cool. I'm a part of a church who cares about other people. And it opened a, a huge door for her to have a conversation about this. 
about how we as Christians can love other people by doing acts of kindness, how we can season this place by doing a simple act of kindness. So sometimes we have to actually put our faith into action. We actually have to do something. And when we do, it seasons the place. It seasons the world around us. And it's a great thing. But Jesus says, he offers a warning that salt can lose its distinctiveness. This is the warning that we have for us this morning. He said, salt can lose its distinctiveness. It says, you are the salt of the earth, which is the first part we've been talking about. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And see, as salt, I started thinking about this. I'm like, can salt really lose the components that make it salt? If I smash it up, is it still salt? Yes. If I make it clump together, is it still salt? Yes, it still holds the same compounds to make it salt all the time. So how does this actually work? What was Jesus trying to say to us? See, I think what happens is salt can lose its distinctiveness. It's clearly seen from you all, right? Which one's salt? This one, right? Why? Because it looks like salt. It's white. What's this? A cup of dirt? Yep, very distinct. cup of dirt. It's dark. There's no light in it at all. What can happen is that we can allow different things to pull us apart, allow different influences into our lives. So here we are as salt, and yet we get polluted. And as we get polluted, you can start to see it a little bit, but it starts to mix up a little bit. All right? Salt's still in here, yes? Absolutely. But no one's coming up to me after church this morning and saying, hey, can I borrow that one? I want to have hamburgers. Can you, I, I was just wondering, can I have that? Let's put that on your hamburger. No, that would be disgusting. This is pointless. This is a, a waste of salt. So what am I going to do with this? I'm going to take it out back and throw it in the woods, right? Exactly. And Jesus is saying that can happen with us. We can allow other influences into our lives. And as we allow those influences, we can get polluted so that we're basically ineffective. He says, you are distinct. You are distinct. And so with this warning, we have to understand that we, as followers of Christ, should be distinctly different than others in our culture. We should be distinctly different from those around us. This comes back to a couple fundamentals. We should be distinctly different in purpose. Our purpose, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, should be different than those who do not know Christ. This comes back to why, why am I working so hard? Because everybody goes to work and works hard. This is a, kind of our normative job. So we go to work and we work hard. Why? So we can get a paycheck and then maybe one day get a promotion so that we can get a bigger paycheck so that we can buy things that we'd like. A bigger house, nicer cars, nicer toys. But as a follower of Christ, our purpose is different. We no longer go to work to get the paycheck and promotion. Why? Because that stuff is short-sighted. That stuff is for here and now. Uh, In a few years, we're not going to be here. So our purpose in working isn't so that we can get a bigger paycheck or promotion. Our purpose in working is to do it to the honor and glory of God. No matter what we do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God, Paul tells us. So we go to work, and we work hard, and if it comes with a promotion, fine. If we get more money, great, but let's use that to leverage God's goodness on this earth. What if we stop for a second and say, I'm a follower of Christ, so therefore I'm just going to work my tail off so that at the end of it, 
why are you working so hard? Well, let me explain something to you. Jesus transformed my life, and he had altered my purpose in life, and he wants me to work hard, so therefore I'm working hard. This alters our purpose in having conversations with people. It is no longer what I can get out of this conversation. It's saying, how can I point that conversation right back up to Christ? How can I change them and push that thought back over to God? My purpose in parenting is different. Everybody purposes their kids. This is what parenting does. This is, I want to have a couple kids, and they're going to have a good education, and they're going to get a good job, and then hopefully they're going to be able to provide for their spouse and have a good spouse, and then maybe get some grandkids along the way. That would be a lot of fun. And then they're going to repeat the cycle. That's the definition of good parenting for everybody else. But for us as followers of Christ, our purpose in parenting is so much bigger and better than that. Our purpose in parenting has to be to produce kids that are following Christ. So every single step of the day, my job as a parent is to influence them to look to Christ. This is my job as a parent. I get it. They still have their free choice in the matter. But before God, I'm doing everything I can. Why? Because my purpose in parenting cannot be what everybody else is doing. My purpose is to realign myself with Christ and to take my kids there with me. This is the purpose of a person following Christ. Not only does it affect our purpose, it also affects our thoughts. How can I influence others, not how does this affect me or how I feel? Everybody else looks at situations in their life and they allow thoughts to go into their head. They allow the thoughts, what's in it for me? How will this affect me? I'm the most important, after all. But as a follower of Christ, we're saying, no, no, it's really not about how I feel. It's not even a matter if I like this or not. What matters is, how is this going to reflect back to God? So we start looking at this. How does this affect me? How do I feel? We take those thoughts because I'm not going to disagree. They're there. They are real. We understand that our feelings are up here, and we say, okay, this is how I feel. This conversation I'm about to have is going to be uncomfortable. Set it aside. God, do you want me to have that conversation? Do you want me to do that? My feelings are over here. He says, yes, I do. Okay. I'm going to go. Problem with this. The problem with living as salt, do you know what will happen? We are going to stick out like a sore thumb. And no person likes to be distinctly different. Introverts, extroverts, nobody wants to be left alone, truly. Everybody wants to be included. Everybody wants to be included to the party invite. Everybody wants this. And when we do this, we're going to stick out. But as a follower of Christ, we are commanded to be distinctly different in our approach to life. Jesus almost hears this as he says the next verse, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, as we start in with this type of lifestyle. Jesus knows it's going to shine bright. As a way of illustration, I would like to do something a little different. Jason, can you go ahead and shut the lights off? We're going to shut off all the lights in the auditorium for just a second, because this is kind of how we came into this world. Where's the light switch for this one?
See, it's kind of dark in here. And as we start with the darkness in this world, this is what it's like. Everybody is in darkness. There isn't good inside of me, just truthfully. You, got, you may be thinking, you're a pastor. How much bad stuff have you done? A lot. I know the wickedness of my heart, and I know every nook and cranny of me. I know my thoughts. I know my motives. I know everything there is to know about me, and I know that I'm not a good person, and I was born into a darkness like this. But Jesus, Jesus, for whatever reason, decided, hey, I want to shine a light right on you. I want to shine out just so bright, and it's going to illuminate you. And as I'm walking in here, I am having a hard time seeing people because the only thing I'm seeing is this huge light aimed right at me. And as I stand in this light, it shows everything about me. It shows all of my issues. And Jesus is having this conversation with me. He says, do you know that I love you? I said, what? Do you know me? Do you know the stuff that I've done? Oh, yeah. I know what you've done, but I love you. In fact, my light is shining over all the stuff you've done. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry about that. Can you, would you forgive me? Oh, yes. I went through great lengths to forgive you. I love you so much. And it's not because of what you've done. It's not because of how you've acted with everybody else. In fact, I still know that you're going to mess up, but I still love you. And yes, I will forgive you. I just ask one thing. I ask that you would obey me. Whatever I say goes. And see, here's where we start to uh, follow Christ, and it gets a little different, because at this point, we rejoice. We rejoice over forgiveness and over the wrongs. But then he says, I want you to let your light shine. I want you to season this place. And so he said, I want you to hold up a mirror and just reflect me to the masses. I want you to show your good deeds and allow this light to affect the darkness that is all around us, right? It, I used to be a drunk. It doesn't matter. Jesus got a hold of them and changed his life. I used to do this. I used to worry all the time. It doesn't matter because Jesus got a hold of me and changed me from the inside out. And you know what the world will see? Pastor Dave, can you see anything right now? No, he can't see a stinking thing right now. This light is bright. Some of you saw this. When we shine our light, the world won't see us. The world will not see me at all. They will just see the love of God going through me, and I just get to be a conduit. I get to just do it, and he gets the praise and the glory. For this week, how bright are we going to shine? How distinct are we going to live our Christian faith? Let's stand and pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for allowing us the privilege of serving you in this capacity. I don't understand it. I don't understand why you've used an instrument like me, why you use anybody to talk about your love and your glory. Lord, when you, you ask us to do this, I'm humbled. 
I know that I'm going to screw up. Some days I get it, some days I don't, and yet you still want me to do it. Lord, this week I ask that you would help us to maintain our distinction as followers of you, that as we have conversations in the workplace, that they would be uh, life-giving conversations. As we see needs, that you would help us to provide the resources to do that. I'd ask that you'd give us the resources to provide that. I ask that you'd give us the thoughts to see needs, to open our eyes, to see the hurts of a dying world. And I ask that you would give us uh, just the ability to season it with your love. God, we love you, and we want our lives to make a difference for you. Help us to maintain our distinction. In your name I pray, amen.